On December the 10th, 2001, a neighbor discovered a body in a residence of a home in Northern Virginia. The police were alerted and when they arrived, they saw 57-year-old Robert Schwartz, who had died from 32 stab wounds and had an X carved into his neck. Some of the stab wounds were so deep that you could see the marks on the floor as they went through his body. I have the full case files here. I've got the coroner's report. I've got the confession. Let me tell you the full story. If you do end up liking this video, please subscribe. I also have a second channel and an interrogations channel. All the links are in the description. Now this is the official medical examiner's report regarding Mark's body. As you can see, it states that the cause of death is confirmed as multiple stab wounds. As you see the incisions inside the body, this is a rendering diagram from the coroner's office. You can see from this report the X on the neck. The coroner noted the victim was found face down in the kitchen with multiple cuts into the back of his shirt. 25 in that area to be specific. The door closest to the victim was ajar and the other doors were locked. The victim also had 4-5 to five wounds in their torso. Now this is the certificate of analysis and it confirms that Robert had no drugs in his system. According to the police, there were no signs of forced entry and nothing had been stolen ruling out a home invasion. They also couldn't find the murder weapon. Robert was a scientist and due to some legal troubles, he had to testify in court and the police theorized that maybe one of the suspects from these cases attacked Robert in retaliation for his testimonies. This led to suspects being ruled out. So the police then turned to an FBI profiler who told them, given the nature of this crime and the way the body was found, this killing was ritualistic in nature. The police then spoke to the neighbours and one neighbour stated they saw a tow truck near the house on December the 8th. So police contacted all local tow trucking companies and one company said they were called out on December 8th as a bunch of kids got their car stuck in the mud. The towing company said they didn't get paid as the kids had no money and when the police traced the car which was towed, it came back registered to 21-year-old Michael Fowle. Michael and his girlfriend Catherine were brought in for questioning and they said, well, we were just driving around and listening to music. But then Catherine said someone else was with them, 18-year-old Kyle Hubert. Kyle was a troubled young soul who had severe mental issues. In fact, here is his official psychiatric admission evaluation done on the 11th of October 2002. It summarizes that Kyle had multiple hospitalizations. He has had 12 years of psychiatric problems. He claimed he started medication at the age of 4 and his first admission was at the age of 7. Previously, he was hospitalized because of a threat he made to kill his bus driver. He had a chronic history of hallucinations, both visual and auditor. He had difficulties in school. He had difficulties with concentration and impulse control. He had sleep disturbance and a history of aggressive behavior. He had been in and out of foster homes starting in 1999 through to 2001. 
He believed his mother had a substance abuse disorder. He barely had any contact with his father and his brother died in February of 2002. He confirmed he drank alcohol once a month and used acid, THC and mushrooms on a weekly basis. Finally, he had been tried on numerous psychotropic, psychostimulant and antidepressant medications. More recently, he had been responding better to usual Zyphrexa combined with Neurotonin and Zoloft. So the police decided to target Kyle. They thought, well, he looks weak, he looks vulnerable, he was also there with Michael and Catherine, one of them will crack. And this right here, you see all these pages, this is the official confession from Kyle on everything that happened. Let me summarize it for you. He says he met Clara Schwartz, who was the daughter of Robert. They met at a renaissance festival and they became close very quick. The pair were drawn together by a shared fascination with witchcraft and the occult. And Kyle, who fancied himself a warrior, quickly dubbed himself Clara Schwartz Protector. Clara had told him she had been suffering from emotional and physical abuse from her father Robert Schwartz since her mother died. Kyle continues in the confession stating Robert had given Clara multiple death threats and even poisoned her on several occasions using different chemicals. In the confession Kyle goes on to say that when he was being told all this by Clara his visions and his hallucinations which he, he was suffering with anyway they got a lot worse. He said he would have visions of her father trying to kill Clara. There was one time he said where he went to pick up Clara from her house and Clara gave him a pork chop that her dad made and Clara asked Kyle what do you think to which Kyle tried and then spat out stating it's been tampered for sure. This led to further visions that Kyle would experience. He would walk and just end up in Clara's room and see her father. He would watch as her dad came in and would just yell at her. All of this is going on in his head. These are part of the visions he was experiencing. The pork chop and her father going into her room didn't actually happen. So on December the 8th, this is all in the confession from Kyle, he said he told Michael to pick him up. He knew Michael as they were both friends with Clara. He told Michael to take him to Robert's house. He then knocks on the door. Robert answers and he asks Robert, is Clara there? Robert replied saying no, she's at JMU. JMU is James Madison University where Clara was studying. He then asked Robert for Clara's number so he can reach her and Robert invited him in. They both have a conversation and Kyle asks Robert, how are you and Claire getting along? To which Robert replied, what business is that of yours? Kyle said, well, I care about her. And Robert said, huh. And Kyle then, emotional and angry, he says to Robert, I know what you're planning. I am not letting you get away with it. In the confession, Kyle then says that Robert slaps him on the face, just under the eye. And this is where he confirmed to the police where this cut by the eye came from. Kyle then claims that he pulled out a sword and he stabbed Robert in the back multiple times, including his neck to which he then carved an axe into his neck. He then rinsed the blade in the sink, turned all the lights off, and then he left with Michael, 
who was still waiting outside. Now what I find confusing about this part before I continue is who carries a sword around? Maybe when he said sword he meant a knife or some kind of incision tool. Because I can't imagine someone with a sword which is going to be yay big, hypothetically, is going to randomly pull this out. Then again, there's probably a reason why the police never found it. Because if you had a sword, like a knife, you can imagine a knife being inserted and then dropped. But a sword, that's a personal item. A sword has some kind of sentimental value. So perhaps he took the sword with him. He remembered, I must take this sword because of, you know, the value attached with it. I don't know. But you understand what I'm trying to say. It's just weird when reading the confession, he pulls out a sword. Like, huh? This is the part where Michael and Catherine come in. When they drove off, their car got stuck in the mud. They called a tow truck. And to pay the tow driver, they asked Carl for the money. The image you're seeing now is official CCTV images from First Union Bank where Kyle tried to get a check. Eventually, the police went to question Clara and all three, Kyle, Michael and Catherine, wrote full confessions. The police discovered that Clara had previously tried to kill her father via proxy as she asked an ex-boyfriend to do it and he refused and broke up with her. They went through her phone and her PC and the police discovered several messages between Kyle and Clara mainly in code discussing taking the life of her father. The police also asked Clara's siblings who said there was no abuse between Robert and Clara and Clara was failing school and Robert was threatening to cut her off financially. More importantly she was failing at school because she was addicted to role-playing video games all day with her friends. Now this is the official arrest warrant for Clara confirming the charge of murder. Now going back to Clara's love for witchcraft in the case file I found some diary writings. Here they are. I'll pull them up now on your screen. I don't know what they mean. I'm not too sure. I don't know how to decipher them. This is page one or one of many pages that I was looking at but are you able to decipher? Comment. Tell me what you think. This is also another page. Again I read through it and I guess context is everything but if you can decipher it yourself or give me your own opinion, comment, tell me what you think. Now during the trial, defense attorneys said Clara Schwartz complained about her father simply to vent her teenage frustrations but never planned his murder. Kyle, they said, misconstrued Clara Schwartz's words and acted on his own. Prosecutors however said that there was clear evidence that before she even met Kyle, she was trying to get rid of her father. During her trial, Clara's former boyfriend testified that in the summer of 2001, they engaged in a fantasy role-playing game called Underworld, in which Schwartz's character, Lord Chaos, asked his character, an assassin, to kill her father. Clara Schwartz's uncle, Christopher Schwartz, one of a few family members supporting her, testified that his niece had been troubled for years. He said a hyperthyroid condition caused her to be confused and paranoid. Now it was revealed during the trial that her widowed father disapproved of her goth clothing. He also resented the fact that his daughter, one of his three children, was spending so much time in isolation in her room. Clara's aunt, Susan Bowen, wrote to the judge that Robert's family had a history of abuse 
and when she found out about Robert's death, she hoped it wasn't one of the kids. Now this is interesting, when she says, oh, I hope it isn't one of the kids, this is because of the preconceived idea in her head that there's abuse going on. See, if there was no abuse, her reaction would be, oh my god, how, what happened, tell me, etc. But given that her first reaction was, oh no, I hope it wasn't the kids, this indicates to a degree that perhaps she was aware of abuse. In the letter that she sent to the judge, she said that the family was aware of abuse, but nobody said anything. But it was clear, according to the judge, that preying on Kyle's immersion in the fantasy world of dragon, orcs and vampires, Schwartz convinced the teen that her father was trying to kill her. You are looking at the official criminal complaint pertaining to Michael, Catherine and Kyle. Eventually, the judge sentenced Clara to 48 years in prison. Kyle himself pled guilty and was sentenced to life without parole. Michael pled guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 18 years and Catherine pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and served one year. Now where I found this case most fascinating is in the story of Kyle. I know he killed Robert and I don't know how I feel about murder by proxy, right? Like she, Clara, may not have done it herself but she certainly had an influence on Kyle. I don't know if 48 years is correct. I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm not trying to downplay anything. But because she didn't do it, should she still feel the full extent of the law, so to speak? She didn't get life, right? Kyle did. For 48 years, for something that you didn't physically do, to me, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about it? You understand what I'm trying to say. But I want to I wanna focus on Kyle. It's just such a sad story. From day one, rejected by his birth parents, sent off to foster care. I mean, he got to know his parents at some point in his life, but his mother seemed to be a drug addict. His father didn't want a relationship with him. How is he meant to mold himself into a man in the real world when the very people who should have loved him most rejected him most? You understand what I'm saying? Now you could say, well, there's many foster kids who don't end up doing this. This is just an excuse for him. That is fair. But the conditions in which he was raised were not ideal. If he had been on some kind of psychiatric drug since he was four and was in hospitals and being treated by the age of seven just imagine the childhood in fact I think from a psychological point of view and this is my own opinion I think because he had been rejected his whole life beaten his whole life ridiculed his whole life when I say beaten I mean metaphorically I mean mentally beaten one of the very few people that accepted him for who he is was Clara and he clung on to it. He hung on to it. She became his everything in a platonic sense. Like from his confession and reading his psychiatric reports, I didn't get the impression that he was in love with her, so to speak. I think he was just happy that, oh my God, I actually have a friend. And because of that, because this was his first friend, and, and if you take the entire history of ridicule, rejection, and 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 you know just just having a worthless life it makes sense to me that he saw himself as her protector and if you take that statement for what it is the way he saw clara makes sense right this is his best friend but clara knew what she was doing clara knew that she could vent to him and he would just listen and he would try to make her feel better and he would do anything 
to take her mind off it. I don't know if she was telling all this to him because she thought, well, if I keep telling him, I keep telling him, I keep telling him, he will eventually do it, right? Like if you tell a lie long enough, eventually it becomes truth, right? Like if you tell someone the same thing over and over again, at some point they may act. I don't know if she was smart enough to know this, but either way, she knew that she was telling this to someone who was vulnerable, alone, and she was his everything. Clara herself needed some kind of out, right? Forget the abuse, if it even happened. She's failing in school. She didn't want the education. She probably was burdened with her father's uh, scientific background. Oh, my father's a success. He's known in the community. Now people are going to think that of me. You understand what I'm saying, right? But she became addicted to video games. She was just lazy. She could not be asked to deal with it, as they say in England, right? She just did not want to do the work. She just wanted to play video games and wanted her father to support her. And at some point, she'll figure out what she wants. But we can all agree that the decisions made in this case were tragic, inhumane and damn right stupid. And again, going through the case file, I can't help but just feel for Kyle. What he did was wrong, yes, I know. But given his life and given everything that happened to him, I feel like he was just destined to end up like this hallucinations um he's hearing noises i can't even imagine the mental trauma he experienced and he did all this just to protect a friend he's wrong stupid just damn right like 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 doo-doo dum-dum right but he was preyed on by an individual so lazy that she probably deserved in the end to spend life in prison. I don't know. Comment. What do you think?